Daily DVR is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com, the men's accessories marketplace. Cufflinks.com aims to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want to elevate their look each day. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. 2020, baby. It's a new year, and every month, Cufflinks has new amazing products, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Disney, all that great stuff, or the sports stuff, NCAA, NBA, NFL, or, of course, the classic wearable art, the amazing high-quality Hook and Albert Oxen Bull, and, of course, their own Cufflinks.com brand. We encourage you to elevate your look when you get dressed in the morning. It helps to make you feel more confident and create your individual style. Go to Cufflinks.com DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR. We've got a special show for you today. I was a guest on Shonky Lab, which is the podcast of an old friend of the DVR Podcast Network, Elton McManus. You can subscribe to Shonky Lab. He does another podcast called The Black Dog that just started up again. And he and Andy had me on to talk about models. You all know that I've talked about my love of Gundam and model building before. So we just had a friendly chat talking about models. And let me tell you something. These guys blew my mind. I got on there talking about, hey, I got 200 models. They do dioramas and painting. We got into it. It was a great, fun conversation. So enjoy this show today. Go out and subscribe to Shonky Lab. Peace out. Hello everyone, welcome back to Shonky Lab. I'm Elton and joining me, I have two special guest producers. In the blue corner, we have Andy. Hello, sir. And in the red corner, we have Axel. Hello, hello, hello. And we are here to talk about model making, making models, plastic models, uh, not not Lego, not Lego though. Cause and not modelling as I was originally promised. Not modelling no. as, yeah. So, been practicing my blue steel all weekend. Blue steel and yeah, walking down the catwalks, etc. Yes, yes I am skin. indeed too sexy for my shirt. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. So yeah, um, well, we, we've been talking in the green room, so we're we're gonna forget about all the all the how are yous and stuff like that because we already know how each other are. So let's get into model making. Um, so. Give me a little bit of history about your model making. Well, your model making history, um, Andy. Andy, let's let's go with you first. What about your model making? Ah, oh, well, in the before time, yes. before the internet was a thing, in the, in those dark, distant, halcyon days of the nineteen eighties, uh, my earliest. Well, okay, so I've got, kind of got two memories of modelling, I suppose. Uh, m- my dad in uh, the living room had a model ship, a uh, model of a Cutty Sark. It's a beautiful model ship, you know, with all the sails and the rigging and everything. Nice. And it was very cool. And it was just it was just something that was there. You know, we didn't really pay too much attention to it. But it was a thing. But I remember one year seeing in the Argos catalogue or the laminated book of dreams, uh, as it's known over here. Yeah. Do you have Argos over, or an equivalent over in the US there, Axel? Do, do you know what Argos is when we say it? I think what it, what it makes me think of is like the Sears catalog or um, we would have like a Toys R Us wish book or yeah. something. Is that what it is? Like a catalog pretty, kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. It's a catalog yeah. which have pictures of, yes. of all the stuff. We, we, we call yeah, it the laminated back... book of tears because it's laminated to catch the tears of joy. <laughs> <laughs> you see, to me, I think that we has, – has this gone on for many like – hundreds of years over oh, there yeah. because okay yeah we had it like even in the I, and i think of course i mean everything we have comes from over there and i think that they started it here too and you know even like you watch old shows like little house on the prairie that's how they first would sell things to people would they would get a catalog from far away and then it would come through the mail so yeah, and because this is before the internet, where, where you could yeah. have a YouTube ad interrupt your viewing to tell you to buy stuff. Yeah. You know, it was just for TV. But anyway, getting slightly, of course. But in there, they had a um, Airfix gift set. 
advertised where you would get free 170 second scale models and um, uh, associated paints and stuff. Uh, well, not all of the paints, but, you know, a selection of paints. And, and I remember getting that. Although, as I say this, literally live now while we're doing this, I'm having a memory. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a headache with an idea, a headache with pictures. Um, I do actually remember even earlier than that, my parents going away for a weekend. And when they came back, they brought a model, um, two models. One was an Air France Concorde and one was an Air France 747. Uh, I can't for the life of me remember where they went or anything, but I, I remember my dad painting those and we hung them from the ceiling. But the first models that I kind of was involved with were these Airfix kits. And I can even remember what the models were. Okay. You got an Airfix Harrier GR3, uh, a Hawker Hunter and a Bristol Blenheim. Right. I distinctly remember. And my brother had uh, a set as well. In fact, I can date this thing because this would be pre-1987 because it's before my youngest brother was born. So we had those. And I remember sitting, my dad built them for me because, you know, I thought they'd come as finished planes, but no, you have to do it. And I remember sitting on the kitchen table next to my dad while he would build the model kits and just being fascinated, just sitting, watching it all to go together. Uh, And and I distinctly remember the smell of uh, humble enamel paints, which still to this day, it's one of those really nostalgic smells yeah. whenever i've taken out yeah. you know model paints you know you, you get, get a little pots of paint you give them a little shake you know tap them on the table back end of a scalpel to open it and you mix it with a back of a uh, paintbrush it's just one of those it's, it's almost a comfort thing when you do that it kind of just takes you back to a simpler time a more civilized age as it was so, so, so that's kind of my earliest memories of models and like i said that's going to be pre- that, that, that's pre me being seven years old. So, yeah. so that's about as early as I can go. In terms of me making models, I remember, you know, that was kind of like the gateway. I remember we, we got other models uh, throughout the late 80s and the 90s. And our bedroom would have the model kits hanging from fishing wire. Yep. So, so they looked like they're flying. We had a, a Lancaster. Uh, we had uh, F-104. So are these all? These are like planes. Yes, these these were all plane models because I was I I was massively into planes as a kid, Uh, and and that's what they all were. I I also live very close to the RAF museum, so we'd go there. You know, full size planes there. Hey, planes, Uh, and we did that. Now I know we're talking about models. How are we about models that we built which didn't come from kits? Are we talking about those as well? Yeah, of course. So in junior school. I remember we had a project at some point to build spaceships. How cool is that? Mm. And everyone's there building Saturn Vs, basically, or rockets. But I wanted to build a model of the Enterprise, because of course I did. Uh, and this, again, is pre-87, pre-next generation. And I remember very distinctly, and I think my parents might even still have this in their loft. I'd have to go and check. But I built a model of the Enterprise using a Robinson's juice bottle for the main hull. Uh, cardboard for the nacelle struts, toothpaste boxes for the nacelles themselves, and McDonald's cup for the neck, and two paper plates with an eggshell carton on the top. Bloody hell. Sure. And, yes. and I remember I painted it in gloss white, and my dad had some little decal sheets. They were like just letters. And you, you kind of rub them to imprint them on stuff. And I put NCC 1701 on the saucer, and, and I was... So fucking proud of this thing that I hung it from the ceiling with the rest of the model planes that were there, and uh, yeah, I, I I was incredibly proud of that. So so from That's an early awesome. age, I I I had this bug, and it it probably came out of things like Lego. You know, I used to love making Lego, yeah. but you know, g- graduated onto model kits, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty much just been nonstop since then. Uh, I'll, I'll stop now to let other people talk, but but come back to me later because I'll have more to say. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Axel, what about you? Where, where's your, your your love come from? Well, similar to Andy, when I was a kid, I built things... Well, I, I should say asimilar and similar. I did not build any kits. When I was a kid and like my dad, my stepfather, nobody built any models around me. I was intimidated by the glue, the paint, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but my cousins were huge, hugely into miniatures and matchbox cars uh-huh. and building miniature cities. So my cousins, Chris, Brian, and Peter, they had turned their entire basement into a city. And that city was all in miniature matchbox car size. And they would have like a shopping mall and they would get a kit for like a mall, like a building or something. Right. Okay. And they would paint it and they would, they had the fake little gravel. And when I mean a city, I mean like a, I guess it must've been now that I'm thinking how big, maybe 500 square feet of about waist size plywood laid down, right? And then they would put over it little gravel, a beach scene, um, grass, little trees. So it was like an entire miniature world in their basement. And I really got into that idea of like kind of creating little worlds and building stuff. And so I would go home and I would build GI Joe headquarters and ninja training centers out of cardboard with tape, um, a lot of masking tape because, you know, masking tape, you can do anything with it. And I would sometimes paint it, but mostly for me, it was about the building, um, And then I kind of dropped that. I think I got, you know, high school or whatever. And I started doing instead movies and stuff like that with friends. Yeah. Um, And then about 10 years ago, let's see, my, my son is seven, maybe 11 years ago. I was living in North Carolina and I walked into a Toys R Us because I still love, I always love toys, but I had never, I hadn't been into them. And I saw a Lego creator house and I had no idea that Lego now made stuff like an actual house. I mean, it wasn't like the kind of Lego fire station or something that looked very toyish. Yeah. This was one of the creator. Really, it looked like an awesome house. And I just bought it on the spot, brought it home, put it together. And that was it. I was like off. I became obsessed with Lego. I have probably 300 Lego sets that are now in boxes in my garage because we live in a smaller house and I became obsessed with Lego, but then Lego became way too expensive. And I was moving on to where each set that I was interested in cost like three or $400. Yeah. It's it's expensive stuff that, yeah. It really I'm, I'm, is. I'm just looking, si- looking with some side eye at that uh, Ultimate Collector Star Destroyer over there. Oh, yeah, man. he has. Yes. Yeah. This, it this it st- takes up quite a bit of real estate. <laughs> yes. That's the other thing. That's a great point is that they got bigger too, right? So a couple of years ago, my nephew got a LBX model set from his uncle on his mother's side. And uh, he actually took it all off the sprue, so I had no. I had to sit there and put it all together by matching the parts. Um, and I just took it from him. He was like, "You try to put it together." And I had kind of been like not really doing Lego, but I love building, so I took it home. I put it together. I went on Amazon. I said, "What is this?" I found the word. It wasn't a Gundam, but someone had put it in that category because it's like Gundams and I got introduced to the world of Gundam. And now I'm sitting in a room with 150, 200 Gundam, Star Wars, Kamen Rider, like anything, any kind of like robot looking model that you can get. I will find it and I will build it. I am completely obsessed. Nice. And these kits with the Gundams, are they glue and paint yourself or are they just like a snap together type thing? They're all snap. They're all snap together, but they're very intricate and have tiny pieces. And it's just, man, it it still blows my mind to this day. When I finish one, you are holding like a fully functional articulated action figure. Yeah. I've built a few Gundam kits in a day. Uh, I've yeah. got 
because there's different grades. You get what used to be high grade, master grade, and imperfect yep. grade. Well, uh, the, and yeah, I, there's also um, they've introduced. They have a grade called SD, which is super deformed. Oh, the little chippy smaller things. ones. Yeah, yeah they and for kids, those are great. But the perfect grade ones, because I've got two of those, I think, and Ooh. they are full full armatures and everything yep. inside. I mean, you could you could do stop motion filming with these. Um, and they're great fun. You know, you got, got to get little screwdrivers out for some of them to put the joints and stuff together. Yes, um, some do have screws. That's true. Yeah, and electronics. So they they can light up and etc. Yep. Yeah. So I, I I have the perfect grade uh, wing Gundam, which uh, has massive wings, uh, like angel wings on it, uh, and that has lights in the eyes and the chest torso. And I've also got. I think it's the RX seven eight. I'm not sure. It's it's in the loft. It's been a while since I looked at it, but uh, I I do remember it was too tall to stand on the shelf, so I had to have it kneeling to fit on the shelf yes. when when it was set up. Uh, but that, that was very I have cool that. Well. I have the perfect grade, the uh, RX seventy eight two perfect grade. Yeah, that's it's it's like black yeah. and black, white, and grey is the color scheme with some yellow in there. You might have a. Uh, Talk amongst it? yourselves. I, I, I'm going to just look up which one I've actually got. <laughs> Little, yeah. I think you might. That might be. I'm trying to think which one is which one has. Did you say yellow and gray? Uh, it doesn't have the red shield. I know that. Uh, okay, so then so it's not the RX 782. It's the RX 178 Gundam Mark II. That's what I've got. Oh, the MK2. Yes. So it's blue. Well, mine was more of a blackish sort of one, but anyway. Okay. Looking yes, at the picture, that, it, it's this right, there. Right. But but yeah, that's the one I've got, and and that, and that thing is huge. Yeah. Uh, and man. you don't have. You don't I have, mean, the, ooh, yeah. you, you don't have to paint them, but if you do paint them, it just takes it up another notch. No, there's all. That's the thing that I've gotten into, and actually, um, DJ Tim Hines, who I podcast with and does our Westworld show and a bunch of other stuff. Um, he and I are both really into this and we've kind of actually tried to plot out a whole podcast series on Gundam, like an introduction to it, because there's so many different levels of people who just build people who then sticker and decal it. Then there's people who then panel line it, which is fill in basically the little, marks in the plastic that you just put a little bit of paint or dye into it right ink you get pens yes you can get the pens or i use actual (laughs) to me a panel line like in a jar yeah um and then there's people who paint them right who actually get a airbrush set and they repaint the entire thing they for you know they sand down all the pieces they refit them, then they paint them with like a white um, layer of what's that called again? Like a base layer. Oh, the primer, uh, base coat. Primer. Well, you got, fi- yes, you got prim- primer and then base coat. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Primer and base coat, and then they paint them. Usually, kind of shiny. Sometimes people do masking and like do camouflage. There's people who take out. If you look at some of these pieces, you'll see that they have in the plastic the detail of the functionality of, you know, like a robot, like little gears and stuff. And there's people who will mask with putty and tape to the point that each tiny little detail, one's silver, one's grit, and it looks like it's metal. And it's absolutely mind-boggling. And then the next level is people who will make their own Gundams. They'll take pieces from existing kits and create their own Gundam. And there's even people who work with resin kits, which is a softer type of plastic that they can also create their own Gundam, paint it Mm -hmm. to the point that when they're done, it looks like it's metal. Yeah, it's apps like there's so many different levels of involvement that people get into this. Mine ends at decals and panel lining. I've done some hand painting, but I'm not I'm not as good at 
and it, it's not I'm really more into the building part. I like constructing something. Yeah. The painting, the stickering, I've gotten a little bit more into stickering. I even have special magnifying glasses that I put on. <laughs> oh, do they make your I, eyes look really, really big? Yes, dude, exactly. <laughs> I've and got a I desk lamp, made... which has got a massive yeah. magnifier lens and there's a, okay. a ring light around it for doing stuff like that, yeah. That is exactly. Now, see, because I work mostly in my living room at night, I don't have like a dedicated desk or else that's what I'd have because putting the glasses on and off is kind of harder. But a magnifying ring light is one day when I get to set up my own like kind of area, hobby building area, I'll do that. But um, it goes deep, man. This hobby goes really deep um, and it's a lot of fun. And also I have to say, though, it's a little each step can be a little intimidating. It's like a challenge to yourself, you know? Mm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, and just because no one else is going to ask you, what about you, Elton? What's your experience with modeling? <laughs> <laughs> my experience okay so the first one of the first models i saw it was from both my granddads my granddad rose had a a, a naval uh ship with all the rigging etc i don't know what boat ship it was but he was in the navy and so you know he, he used to build build the ships my granddad on my dad's side he had a concord hanging from his bedroom and I still have it today. It's wow. it, it it's poor, poorly put together. It's not a great kit. There's glue all over the places. There's seam lines. It looks terrible. But yeah, it's on my granddad's uh, ceiling for years and years and years. And I remember going around his house, and it was probably one of the very first models I ever saw. And going into the house, going into the bedroom, seeing it, and it's always on the ceiling. And when he passed away, I said, "Look, I want that." And they, 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 I got it. I ended up getting it. And um, that's all I ever wanted. All I ever wanted. I suppose my first model-making adventures, they started when I, I, I started getting into aeroplanes. I joined the ATC. And then the, I started buying the models. And I'd, I'd save up my uh, paper round money and go get a model that Friday. And then I bring it back. And I think the first one I bought was a, a hawk. I'm sure it was like a, a hawk. Um, put it together, used a bit of glue, used used the paint as well. I didn't paint the cockpits inside. I'd always leave them like the the uh, the the plastic color because I I just thought well no one's going to really really see these. I just want to put the camo on, put all the decals on, and see how we go. I really got into it and. I think one of the first big scale ones I was bought, I think it was when I was still, it's definitely still at school, probably in infants, junior, just started secondary school. And my mum and dad bought me a big one thirty second scale Spitfire. And it, it looks the business. Now, I, I put this together. I didn't paint the cockpit again because I just didn't, didn't have the skill or the patience to do that. But it was all hand-brushed. All the camo was hand-brushed. All the decals were put on, and then they fell off after a couple of years of just sitting there. But that was my pride and joy. That was, I flipping loved it. And then since then, it is the smell. Andy, like you said, it's the smell of the glue. It's the smell of the paints. Everything that goes along with it as well. It just, it smells comforting. I have a big box now full of all my paints, full of all my putties and stuff like that. All my little tools that I've had since a kid are still in there. And you open up yeah. that, that case and you get that little waft of of childhood memories coming back. And you're like, oh. it's, it's usually the thinners. The thinners kind of overpowers everything, doesn't it? But yeah. you, you, get, you get that whiff of it and it's just, it, it takes you back straight away yeah yeah uh, but i mean i mean let's face it we're, we're all low-key addicts to this stuff you know <laughs> yeah yeah oh dude i'm uh, completely addicted to it actually that was something that i was uh it's funny you use that word because i do kind of feel like there's something about um like what we were talking before we started recording elton that the idea of putting what is out of order into order mm -hmm. 
yeah um making something out of these disparate pieces or basically kind of like you know i mean it's it's just like almost a metaphor for life you know it's soothing isn't it it's something small though that you can control you have total control over it and and it has a a, a, there's there's a fixed end point to it you can see an end approaching and and that's what i think modeling uh model making is very good for it's just a small little thing which you can control which is you know it's nice to have these days little bit i mean i say that some of my models have had a tendency to run away with me uh, on on because so at the minute i'm weirdly enough i'm not really building a lot of model kits at the minute most of my modeling stuff goes into my cosplay stuff so it's props and things to go alongside with that but when i do make models if it's not a spaceship what it tends to be is battleships because i love me a good battleship i gotta tell you I've got a few really nice model kits here. Uh, I've got a really nice model of HMS King George V on a diorama of in a rolling seat. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it. I've the seen that, my, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm really proud of that. But So what what happens, though, is I kind of fall down this rabbit hole of wanting to make it as accurate as I possibly can. Mm. And so all of a sudden, then I'm buying books. And I'm looking at pictures. And when you've got a battleship, you know, battleships last for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So all of a sudden it's like, when are you making, what, what, what period are you depicting? Because the kit might not be right for that. I had a model of HMS Hood and the model kit depicts the ship. I'm sorry, this is going to be very boring, but you're going to have to put up with it. The no, model depicts it. the ship as it sank in 1941. But I wanted to depict the ship as it looked in 1923 when it did a grand tour around the world. And there's lots of little things which no one other than someone that knows is going to know is there. So I spent so much money and so much time just getting books. I mean, some of these books were out of print and I had to hunt on eBay and I got them. And they cost like 80 quid for this big, thick book, British Battleships of World War Two, just so I could look through and get the plans to find out the correct layout of secondary armament of the ship at the time. I got it. I got it finished, and and I'm really happy with the model. Although for me, the exci- the, the thing I like is building them, because once yes. they're built and done, then well, now it's just a dust magnet, and it's just going to sit there, and <laughs> it's fine. But you know, when I was building well, it, that's I, I was, the, uh, have you? Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but have you ever have you ever thought of dioramas? Well, that's what like, I was talking about. The, this ship I had at sea was a diorama because it's in it, it's a seascape. It's got waves crashing over the forecastle. It was really cool. Oh, okay. Yes. Hang about. Let me. Let me. Let, I'll tell you what. You, you talk amongst yourselves. I'll see if I can find a picture and I'll send it over to you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. But that's the next. That's exactly when you're talking about. I am so addicted to the building part. Yeah. And the the stickering. I've gotten a little bit more into, but that comes and goes. The panel lining. The painting is. I don't have the room to do the full spray painting yep. that I would really feel comfortable with making it look good. The hand painting, I just can't ever get it thin enough, yeah, you know, to look good. Um, but the diorama, I think, is the way that I think I want to take the next step with the ones that I have decaled and panel lined is to put them in an actual, like, take two robots and get, like, a building and kind of, you know, distress it and make it look damaged and put like a little tree and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the kind of thing that I have not gotten into yet, even though I've built hundreds of these models. Oh, okay. I'm taking a look at this picture right now. <laughs> I, if you go to page two on there, you can see the ship in its seascape and everything. And, and I was really proud of that. Yeah, dioramas for me, I really like because I, I like to to you know make a little scene, just just kind of yeah. set it somewhere, you know, bring it to life, and that that's loads of fun. But the problem again is space, because as yep. soon as you start building a diorama, it's more space. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. I I have I I scratch built. I I don't know why I did this. This was a couple of years ago. And man alive, it peed Amanda off because it was on the table all the time. But I scratch built a model, I don't know what scale it was in, of the, you know, the hospital that, um, oh, I forget his name now. The, the Joker? Lead, 
no, the, the, <laughs> the lead character of The Walking Dead wakes up in Rick. When when he wakes up. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and you know when he, he walks outside for the very first time, sees all the dead bodies on the floor, and he walks up the hill, and he sees like the, the blown up, a helicopter and there's there's a couple of jeeps there and there's there's fire all over the place and dead bodies and it's just a mess and there's a building behind him i, I think it's like uh, i forget what the actual building was but it was a hospital in atlanta and for some reason i just scratch built it and i i spent months and months and months on it and it's still not finished and I'm never going to finish it. It's not to scale. It's not for anyone. If someone wants it, they can take it if they want. But <laughs> I don't know why I built it. But it was one of them things where I feel diorama. Once I get into dioramas, I'm not going to stop. And like you say, they take up a lot of room. And they take up a lot of time as well. They take up just as much, if not more time, than making the model itself. And that's what I'm worried about, getting in too deep with these sort of things. Making the model, I'm fine. I've got my little airbrush. I can do it to a, a certain standard, which pleases me. I can do all the weathering. I've got all the oil paints for that as well. I can do all the panel lines. I can do all that. I, I can finish it off so it, it looks good. But then if I do a diorama, that is two, three times as much time that I'm going to be spending on that. And I don't know. I don't know if I've got the, the time and patience for that on each one. I definitely haven't got the time at the moment. Take a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. And we're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser and you will arrive, and you will be amazed, happy, surprised at the amazing products that Cufflinks.com has. You might think to yourself, hey, I don't have an informal event coming up. You know, I'm not into Cufflinks. But guess what? They have a lot more than that. Actually, I'm wearing a pair of Star Wars socks that they sent me. Cufflinks.com is where it's at. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore Adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclareadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. Uh, space is the one that's lacking me. I, I need another house just to... I, I, I've got... I, I'm, I'm sure you both have the same. I, I've got kits just up in my loft waiting for the time and the space to build them. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, this current situation is, is it, it's tempting me. There's, it, there's a siren call going to me. But I can't really start them because I've just got nowhere to put them. I have on my want to do list. I've got a one two hundredth scale model of HMS Hood, which the hull will be about four feet long on that thing. Whoa. It's that big. But what I want to do when I build that is I want to build it as if it was in a dry dock. So I don't want to have to cut the hull to make it look like it's a sea. I want to put the entire hull into a dry dock on little keel blocks. And then I want to build all the stuff around the dry dock. So like the little cranes and the little ropes and the gangways and have yeah. the little people kind of working on it. And i got a mate who's just 3D built, uh, built in 3D so to be 3D printed, a dry dock for a model kit he's doing. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I could get that model and just upscale it for my one and do that and it's like if i still have over model could be like six feet long i got no space and then of course if you spent all this time building this model to to how i want to do it 
I'd, I'd have to put it in a glass case, which takes up even more space. And it is just never ending. I've no space to put the thing. So, oh so. man, hold on! I'm just my computer took. This is awesome, dude. The way you have the water going out as the ship moves. Oh yeah. So so Damn. the way I did that. I'll talk. I'll talk you through this, which no one can see because obviously this is a, a, an audio medium. But I'll explain what I did there. So you can kind of see with a model kit what I did is I built the base out of uh, polystyrene and kind of shaped it. And then what I did was I used toilet paper and PVA glue in in uh, two, was it two parts water, one part PVA? It's the old Blue Peter formula. Mm. And I kind of shaped the waves, and then I used an airbrush to just kind of do layers and layers of blue and green to get the colors and then i used acrylic gel painted over to give it some some shininess Uh, and then i used cotton wool to give it the effect of water cascading down the bow and like the way the bow wave kind of like sweeps over it there Um, this is amazing man and doing all the rigging across there that was a technique called stretch sprue where you get um just bits of a sprue which the model pick came on and you'd heat it up and then you'd very quickly pull it apart and you get long yeah. strands of yep. plastic. But what you'd do then is you'd put them between the two masts and they'd sag. And you'd heat up your scalpel blade over a candle and you'd just hold it just underneath it. Not not touching, but just below it. And the plastic would shrink and come taut. So you get the rigging uh, to kind of look neat like that. I mean, I'd, the little flags, they were made from uh, uh, kitchen foil. And I just painted the kitchen foil and, again, little bits of uh, uh, that was clear acrylic uh, I used to just kind of pop them into place as well. And, and I even researched what flags it was flying. So, so, so yeah, I, I went right down a sort of rabbit hole there. Yeah. But little things like with the gun barrels there, I had two elevated and two down. It just gives so much more life to the model than it's just sitting there with the guns, you know, fore and aft and astern. And, wow. Yeah. How did you paint all this? Is that what you did? Like, even I'm looking at the boats and like the, the is just, are you doing masking or is it each, are those little pieces? Uh, it's masking mostly. So, so with uh, the King George V, that's painted in a camouflage effect. So mostly that, will, you know, there's a base coat goes down and then you mask some of it off and you paint it and then you mask some more of it off and then you paint it again. And then you take all the masking tape off and hopefully you haven't had any bleed. And mm. and it looks good. And if it have got bleed, you've got to do a little bit of touch up or start again. Uh, the uh, the decks on the ship, those are wooden decks. You can get laser cut wood decks. Oh, okay. So I got those, and I just kind of you know stuck those onto position. Uh, the little ship's boats, they were all painted. Uh, yeah. I think by hand and by airbrush to do the windows on the little boats. I used the pigment markers from Gundams. That's what that was with. Cause nice. So I did those on there. But yeah, no, I was pretty happy with that. But the cranes yep. and stuff, uh, photo etch. Because um, that's the other thing. You start falling into detail sets for model kits. That's right, so yeah. The, fo- the, the model kit alone, etch, yeah. Yeah, the model kit alone might be pretty cheap, you know, like 20, 30 quid. But then all of a sudden you're getting into the, le- the wood decks and the photo sets and yeah. the resin upgrade bits. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, don't tell yeah, my wife how much these kits wear. cost. <laughs> you can buy different metal parts too. Yeah. And yeah, replace. that's photo Yeah. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, you are. Wow, man. This is really <laughs> See, that's the thing is I've put together so many models, but I really am so obsessed with the building that I'll I'll finish it and then I'll have an idea to get deeper into trying to do something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I've experimented with painting and different types of stuff before. Not that it's not been my, um, you know, like it hasn't been my job or anything. I've most of the stuff I've done creatively has been like video editing and camera work and shooting. But I've, oh, as an artist, I've always liked to experiment with different materials and try to build stuff. But I just like will finish building one, and then I'll just the next day I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna, you know. I'll try to paint it. I'll be like, eh, no, I want to build something. And I'll just build. <laughs> so I have the, I look, sometimes I look at all my models and I see all the like huge dioramas that I should create and get more into that painting and the detail that you're doing here. But it's just, I have the pull for me is overwhelmingly the building part. And that's why I was asking a little too about I can see the detailed pieces on this boat. 
one of the reasons why I haven't picked up a lot of boats and cars is because it seems like the building is pretty quick, but mm -hmm. then it's really the detail part, the painting, um, and then making the dioramas and doing the other pieces are really what, what is more of, uh, takes more time. The frustrating bit when you're building model ships like this is you'll make a lot of very quick progress initially. You know, the hull is it's a large boxy shape, the turrets, okay. the superstructure. You do those very quickly. But then it's all the little details. All the stuff on the deck, all those little vents have got to be stuck on individually. All the chain links, all the little anti-aircraft guns, all these little bits have got to be added. And when you, when you step away and you look at it, you, you don't immediately see any difference and that's when it become really frustrating when all of a sudden it's like well i've been here for three weeks and zero some change you know it's 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 I'm, yeah. I'm working on it but nothing's really changed but that being said when you do get to the end and you get the rigging on it and it's it's finished then you step back and look at it and you go oh that's 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 pretty fucking cool yeah, I got to try one of these because for me, I'm, I built so many robots. I mean, primarily, even the Star Wars models that I've done, and I've probably done about 20 of those, um, and like Kamen Rider, Pacific Rim, it's really more like, um, you know, people, robotic people. You have, you build the head, you build the torso, right? You build the legs and the arms, and usually each arm is pretty much the same. Um, but I kind of have gotten used to those little pieces. So as you're like what you're saying, when I finish, I might only finish one arm in a night of building, but I've got an arm, right? Like I can mm -hmm. see a fully formed arm. So yeah. I guess I never thought about that's what kind of kept me away from boats, ships, cars, is that I always think I'm going to have the thing done in like 15 minutes. I'm going to put the bottom on it. I'm going to put the top on it, right? Yeah, and what else oh. is there? Yeah, what else is there? Yeah. I but mean, now depends, I'm looking at your, this model, and I can see there's a lot of little pieces. It, it depends on the scale as well, you know, because uh, ships tend to come in one of three scales. You get one, one 350th, which what those models are, uh, one 700th, which is half that size, and then one twelve hundred, which are teeny tiny little ones. And, you know, the amount, amount of detail you can fit onto it decreases with each. I, I see some of the stuff people have done with one seven hundred, and it's just like, well, that's just depressing. I'm going to go and quit and you know, <laughs> become, a, become a professional alcoholic. That <laughs> is one of the problems with model making. It, it, it's the, the problem with any hobby that you get into. If there's always a million people better than you, whether it be playing guitar, whether it be drawing, whether it be designing stuff, whether yeah. it be building models, you'll, you'll finish your model and go, that looks awesome. And then you'll see a video or a picture or a diorama or someone else done exactly the same model. And you're like, oh, God, no, no, this isn't good. I need to start all over again. Like Once I, I was bought a, um, a, a, I think a B-52. Uh, by my uncle and it came with uh, it came with ideas for a diorama and I thought I'm going to do that I must do that and I got nowhere near doing that whatsoever I didn't have any anywhere near the skill of doing anything like that and ended up screwing it up ended up screwing it up and ended up chucking it away because I just ballsed it right up wasted all that time and money it was just so depressing <laughs> See, that's funny. I don't ever, um, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm not a very like competitive kind of person. Yeah. So when I see somebody does something amazing or like I see this, it really kind of instantly, sorry if you can hear the train going down the, uh, that's another thing. You guys ever build trains? Yes. I didn't, yes. I, well, I didn't build trains, but I had a train set and, and that's something I always wanted to do. I still do yeah. at some point do a big train layout, but I, I've given this more form than I probably should admit to. No, no, I, I would do a harbour scene because then I could have a ship in oh. the harbour with the trains coming up alongside. And, you know, because I like, you know, doing the water effects and stuff with the resin. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I could do that. But the problem is we come down to scale. Most trains over here are double O gauge, which is about 176. So you can get away with 172nd. 
but the kind of ships I like, British battleships, they're going to be fucking huge at 170 second scale. <laughs> it's like the, the, the ship itself would take up the entire space available for the train set. And it's just, ah, oh, I can't really get away with that. I mean, then I thought, oh, maybe I could just have like a bit of the ship. So like just like the bow section on the quay side. That'd be kind of cool. But, you know, it's like, yeah, see, this is forced all, perspective it, it, stuff starts coming into it then as well. Because what you can have yeah. is on the back wall, smaller scale. I mean, it gets larger scale as it gets closer, so it gives it more of a sense of depth. You see? Yeah. Yeah. See, this stuff inspires me. That's what I was saying. Like that when I see the awesome stuff. I mean, even looking at your picture here, I'm so happy that we're having this conversation, and that I'm seeing these because this is inspiring. Because it's like that. Um, I just feel that it's more of like a challenge of. That's what this stuff is all about, you know? I mean, I'm not selling them. I know people who do customs and they get into this as like a business, you know? And it's it's their life. Um, But for me, it's just something that I enjoy and it's creative. And this is inspiring. Like this work you've done is absolutely amazing, man. Like I'm like honored to be on the call with you now. I'm like, I have to go tell people like... (laughs) This no, is trust, a great. No, 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 you don't. I can send you. Some, I can send you some links to some good stuff later on if you want. But yeah, it's... <laughs> this is like real. And then I see when you started talking about that nautical scene, I imagine like the Pacific Rim model, like smashing the boat, and like a Gundam guy flying down this big. I'm just. I love robots. Yeah. You see, so... I'm very tempted to do Gypsy Danger walking out from Alaska because you I've sh- seen someone did. That. I have it. I'm looking at. I I did the smaller HG version that yep. Bandai put out, and I found out that another company did like a larger, what would be an MG size. Um, I always get the the fractions off the one whatever it is, but it's like maybe a foot or so or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are more of the Pacific Rim models. This stuff is just. Ah, yeah, here you go. Inspiring. I found it. So I'll, I'll send you a link to this. Uh, there's a video of this guy, and I, I watched this. But this guy, if I can, there you go. Check that's still out there. Someone posted this, and it's just Gypsy Danger walking out. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind having a go at doing that. Yeah, Ooh, those, nice. The thing that I always think about, and I don't know how popular are models or Gundam over there. It's pretty. Po- I mean. If you go to Comic Con, there's stands which just sell nothing but Gundam. But like, would you? If you, is that a thing that kids would do? Or because like, it's not popular out here, like at all. Like when I tell people that I build like Gundam models, people say Gundam. What's that? Well, weirdly enough, and this is a slight tangent, the, the kind of model making what I think most kids are familiar with over here these days is Warhammer. That's ah, yes, probably where most kids yep. today are going to be kind of cutting their model-making teeth is with the Games Workshop sets. Um, obviously, their parents have to remortgage their house to be able to buy anything. But I uh, know. Those are expensive, man. I've seen yeah. those before at some of the... Uh, because over here in Portland, I mean, I live in a weird creative city, and there are a lot of gaming shops, and then they'll have models too. So when I'm riding around with my son, and because my son has gotten into it too, he builds the SDs, but he's actually made his way up to MGs now, and he's only seven. Um, but uh, we'll walk in and we'll see those, and I'll be like, oh, that's so cool. And it'll be a tiny box, and I'll turn it over, and it'll be like $79.99. And I'll be like, wow, that's kind of expensive for this tiny, but I guess because it's part of the game too, right? Is that why they're so expensive? No, it's that expensive because they can charge that much. There's, there is okay. no justification <laughs> for the prices they charge. Look, I, I'm I'm an old school Warhammer player. I mean, going back to yeah the nineties. You know that that was kind of when I was you know into it in a big way. Uh, I used to love Battlefleet Gothic, which was their spaceship game, and the spaceships in Warhammer are all space cathedrals, basically. And I actually recently thought, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing if I can get some of these on eBay. Yeah, stupid money. What hell with that. But the other thing I love, uh, Titans, which are giant robots. Yeah. Uh, that they do. Now, they do these ones which are called the Warlord Titans. Uh, and 
it, it, on, on the scale of 40k, which because you can now get them in, uh, a Warlord Titan, I think, is about two, three feet tall. And it's just made out of plastic. But they charge uh, nearly 500 quid for it. Give and it's over. like, Daddy, no, seriously. And it's like, that is not 500 pounds worth of plastic. You know, it's not even 500 pounds worth of bloody um, resin when it, when they used to be resin back in the day. And, and it's just like, you know, I, I, I get that they're paying for the IP and everything, but it's just so redonkulously expensive. Mm. Uh, do, do, do forgive the, the bell sounds you'll be hearing. I'm, I'm being attacked by my cat. But uh, I, I, I really want some of these titans. But like fuck, I'm paying that much for them. But that's yeah. why. Oh, I lied. It's not five hundred pounds. It's nine hundred and seventy-five pounds for the body alone. So that's not the weapons, just the body. So the weapons are extra. So if you wanted to buy a full titan, and I'm going to post this link just here in the chat, and if you want to look at play along at home, kids, uh, go to forgeworld.co.uk and check out their titans. But that titan there is. One thousand two hundred and fifty pounds, and it's just plastic, and it's very nice plastic. Don't get me wrong, but I ain't paying a thousand pounds for it. <laughs> no, no, there there is a limit, isn't there? There, really yeah, that's is. it right there. <laughs> See, this is why I got off Lego too. Is the how expensive it it gets as well? That's why I enjoy a Gundam model where I can pick up an MG. Um, which is, you know, like the little larger size and that'll be maybe 30 to $50. And that for, would take me a week or two to build. For that money, you could buy two 3D printers and one, one resin, one PLA and just print your own and then print many Titans. Wow! Look at this. That is a cool. That is pretty cool, though. Oh yeah, it's cool, but it's not twelve hundred and fifty pounds. Cool. No, no, <laughs> that is insane. And that's that. Wait, over here, that would be like seventeen hundred dollars, right? Well, I was, I was about to say that'd be, that. That would be about twelve hundred dollars. Okay. Yay! The economy's in the toilet. But yeah. It's, um, oh yeah, I guess yeah, it's, it's, it's 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 a, yeah about fifteen hundred dollars. I'd say. Wow, the detail on this stuff is great. Yeah. That is fun. <laughs> do you go this deep? Elton, what are you working on now? Do you go this deep? Uh, do I go deep? Well, okay. Well, I'm going to put, once again, for the listeners, apologies, but I'm putting a little link in the chat room. You don't have to watch it now, but you, you said about uh, trains, etc. And I videoed myself making a train. And it was uh, the big boy locomotive that you have over in, in the US. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose that is about as detailed as I am at the moment with, with these sort of things. I will I will put them together. I'll, I'll enjoy putting them together. I'll use my spray and airbrush and stuff like that. And slowly work on the details I'll do all the decals, I'll lacquer it or, or fix it in with a, a clear coat. And then I'll do a bit of oil weathering and stuff like that. And I think that is about as far as I want to go. Now, uh, it is interesting to hear you saying about, you, you sound like you're not stuck, but you're happy in a place where you're making Gundams. And I think when you're making these models, it is good to go out of your comfort zone and to do something totally different and yeah. wild and think... Well, this is on. great, by the way. I'm looking at your video. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I'm hoping future ones will be a bit better than, than this one. But, you know, I, I had fun doing it. I it, it took a while to do it, but I had fun doing it. Um. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good to go out your comfort zone. I got stuck in doing aeroplanes. And the first day I did a helicopter, the whole new world opened up to me. It was like, oh, hang on, this is different. But it was still a similar sort of thing. Then I did Formula One cars. And I was like, oh, this is where I want to be. And now I find myself wanting to do 
tanks. I found myself doing some um, uh, Warhammer when I was a kid. I didn't play the games. I just liked the little figures. And I liked painting them. I was terrible <laughs> that, 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 painting them. That that was always the defense of people who who looked down at it. They'd already, you know, if you said you were into Warhammer. No, I, no, I don't play it. No. I, I just paint the figures, man. I just but, <laughs> I know, but I've never played it. <laughs> Honestly, I've never played it. I got a couple of the magazines when I was a kid and saw how they painted them. And I was like, I can't do this. I didn't know how they did the layers. And once you understand, it is all about layering yeah. as well, isn't it? It's about putting Process. a coat on and, and working and d- doing like the, the darker colors first and getting into all the crevices and then working your way out and i didn't realize how many layers they did until fairly recently and even with like the the internet i've i found myself when i want a quiet moment when i'm doing paperwork or when i just want something on in the background i put on youtube and i watch other people make models now some people might think that's weird look other people watch people playing video games and you, that they get the buzz out of that. That's their little jam. I, my little jam is watching other people make models. And it is, it's just relaxing. You have, don't always have someone narrating over the top of it. And it, it's just calming, nice. And then you sit there going, that's so good. I wish I could do that. And This the, looks great. I'm watching you make this uh, airplane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did the airplane as well, yes. Yeah, you're you're, the... you're doing all this the masking the um uh you have an airbrush kit yeah yeah a tiny little airbrush kit i haven't got the tank or the, like the, the the big um compressor, compressor. etc uh i i am working up to that at some point but i think that'll be once i move house and then i can get a compressor and do it properly yeah. i'm just working out of canned air at the moment but that's this is great guys you guys you you are inspiring me to try to get in to do more stuff like this and it does but it's like you were saying andy about the space it's yeah. having the workspace <laughs> too like literally i have i sit in my living room at the table i sit on the floor it's like a where it's like at my waist when I sit down and at night I just pull the box from under the, uh, the, the, uh, like little, I don't know, light table or whatever side table. And I lay it all out and I start building. So I don't, I have some stuff under there, but I don't have like a workspace. Are you outside and do you have like, how do you, I always, I get, I guess I get a little worried about the fumes from the, the spraying and all that, or do you have like Acryl- a, uh, well, if you use acrylic paints, they're just water-based and there's no real fumes off of those. So you'd be fine. Oh, wow. Okay. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. No, uh, Tamiya acrylic paints, uh, they're water-based, they dry, there's almost no fumes off of them. And yeah, I mean. I, I basically, where my computers are, I've got a big green cutting mat in front of it. And when I'm going to work in front of it, I just, I work here in front of the computers because I can have something on in the background, you know, a video or something or Facebook or I could be chatting to people. Uh, I've got my magnifying light there. And yeah, I just, just work away here in front of the computers. This is good stuff, man. Mm. Wow. Elton, I really like this. That's a tiny, you did a great job. That's a tiny little plane. It is tight. I think that's the first time I've done that sort of scale. That's one seventy second, I think. Was oh, that your Messerschmitt? Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's a cool it's tiny, shit. but but the detail. Once once again, one if you go smaller and smaller, like the the big ones, you get a lot of detail packed in there. But sometimes it can be overweight detail, and you need to trim some bits down as well. But when you go smaller and smaller, you find that that detail pops out a little bit more. It might be yeah. thinner, it might be more cumbersome to put on, but I think it works better sometimes when it's in a smaller scale. That is neat. I definitely, man, this is an inspiring conversation because I really, <laughs> I have built so many and I, I think I do, I feel like I got to the point where I have all of these models and I've probably stickered and panel lined and maybe top coated, you know, maybe 25% of them. 
Um, and to do the rest and get into more of the painting, it's just, you know, there is so much in that little kit, right? You can, yeah. you can, it's not only getting, uh, I remember when I first started the guy at the local hobby town that I go to, um, he said to me, you know, what you have to realize is that you're paying 40 bucks for this. And if you just snap build it and you put it together, you might get 10, 15 hours of like use out of it, you know, or you put into it. But once you start panel lining, painting, even building accessories, um, um, kind of making your own creations out of it. Like scratch it could, building, yeah. Yeah, it could be hundreds of hours that you have into this little kit. It's really, there's a saying for Gundam, which is Gunpla, like Gundam, pla, gun, gun, it's called gunpla, right? Gundam plastic. Gundam plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is gunpla is freedom. And I, that was very attractive to me in the beginning because one of the things that I've noticed, like this conversation, is that the community, uh, we're a part of a local Gundam group called The Sleeves. And we have a Facebook group and we go to group builds. We meet at the hobby town. People share on the Facebook group, like, um, what different shops have what they what they have to offer or hey try this new kid or this kid is coming out but everybody is really opening and welcome and even say the first time i put a picture of the first gundam or so that i built and it had all these like marks on it where you can still see where i snapped it off the kit you know <laughs> like <laughs> all the all the little imperfections people yep. were very encouraging you know, they were like, hey, if you do this, you can get a better look instead of being like, noob, you, you know, like, try again. And I just feel like the whole community of modeling and even there's a local Oregon modelers who they do more of the um, cars, boats, airplanes than they do the Gundam. But they kind of accept us, though we're like an offshoot of them, you know. Uh, it's, it's funny the way that these these communities but everybody's so welcoming and and like trying to teach each other and i just it's been a real it's been a really important part of my life for the past couple of years and with my son too i mean he started doing it when he was like three or four years old is he enjoying doing it as well yeah he's fallen out a little bit you know the minecraft and the the computers have a draw but he's still got a couple under his under his bed that he's working on and he'll pull it out, but he, w he does love to go to Gundam day and be around it all. So mm -hmm. it, I think for him too, it's become more so the community than even what the community does building the models. Nice. Nice. One thing I'll say that I've come across is when you, when you're doing models, if, if you, if you research from the way I do, uh, and this isn't just with model kits, but like with prop replicas, because that's something else I like to build you will really get to understand the thing, but also some of the design choices that went into making it. Yeah. So I've made a few replicas of prop guns. I've done Han Solo's blaster from Star Wars and Deckard's blaster from Blade Runner. And, and just the amount of time you spend looking at pictures and studying it and then assembling it and putting it together, you understand it in, in a way that you just can't do just from looking at it. When, when you build it, you really get to understand it. And it's the same with... The model ships, for example, or with spaceships, when, when you build it, you understand the curves in the ship. You understand the little details, and then you'll yeah. see them when you see, you know, the ship on the show, or when you look at other pictures. You you see these little details which most people just, you know, don't even notice. Like when when I watch Dread, I I watch the film and I enjoy it, but I'm I'm picking out details on the um on the uniform the current project i'm working well, one of the current projects i'm working on is a, a suit of iron man armor so now when i'm watching a marvel film i spend an inappropriate amount of time looking at his crotch because i'm trying to figure out yes. how do the legs connect properly me dude i do the <laughs> same thing i love when and especially i mean again that's my thing like robots and yeah I, I don't know why Marvel doesn't have a line of like every 50 Iron Men because I would have built them all if they get together with Bandai and make like HG Iron Man kits. 
I would just keep on building them. I think that's a cool idea, but I do this like I know so intricately the way that a leg of a robot goes together, <laughs> like an arm or the difference of why cert I like the way certain torsos are like you're saying how the leg goes in or his feet too. Cause in Gundam feet is a big thing. They have a lot of issues with feet. Like they went through a time where they all have like these weird kind of duck feet that are really wide. And then sometimes they almost end up looking like lady shoes Oh, the heels, right. yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> heels, right? So there's all, and I can tell the different generation of Gundam from building it, how this one has a little of the aspects of the shoulder from like the unicorn Gundam comes from an earlier, like kind of new Gundam. It's really interesting to to see and to think about. And I also like watching YouTube videos of the uh, people actually designing them on the computer like Bandai will and other people put out videos of actually how they use the computer program to design the whole Gundam and how it would fit together um, it really it, it really opens up your world but listen guys I gotta cut this short because um, speaking of uh, the corona my wife is making a uh, a grocery pickup so I gotta help yeah, her great. out with that yeah, but no. this this has been amazing. Thank you for having me on. I I hope I uh, I hope I brought something to the table. But you guys have definitely like wow, man, this is some great work. I really love this little. <laughs> I'm still looking at this the way you did the little guns on the side or the vents on the side of this airplane. This is inspiring me. I want to show my son this. We got to get into the challenge of uh, doing more painting and definitely dioramas is something. Yeah that I want to get into as well. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a pleasure having you on. It is um, inspiring as well for me, for me, just listening to you talk about these Gundams. I, it, it makes me think, oh, maybe I've got room for one or two over here. I think do it, man. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun. And if you want, I can, I mean, I, like I said, I built fricking every different type of Gundam and, I, I I could give you some pointers or point in a direction, but the one thing I haven't built yet, and Andy, you mentioned it before, is the PG, the perfect grade. I have that in my closet, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that. I think at some point, but that again is like a space issue because that's like seventy runners. So yep. I don't know what I like even to lay them out on a table. I'm like, how am I gonna do this? You know, <laughs> it's a lot. A lot of challenge there for you. Yeah, big old kits, lots of space. Mine are both in the loft because I got no space for them. <laughs> okay, no, well, uh, what we'll do, we'll, we'll we'll have a little break now. Thank you very much, Axel, for joining us. We'll we'll let you go off and do your shopping and and stuff like that. And uh, stay safe out there. Stay safe. That's Thank the most you. important thing. So, thanks, man. And and really, thanks both of you for. Uh, having me on i always listen to the pods and um you know we'll talk again soon okay cool cheers man thank you very much Bye-bye. take care bye. bye so now axel has left us and we're back yeah we, we can talk about him behind his back yeah let's talk about him <laughs> yeah.